0: All right, church, while they receive the offering, why don't you guys go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you didn't bring one, there's one underneath the seat you're sitting in. And uh, we're going to be in Psalm 148. 148 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, in that white Bible underneath your seats on page uh, 303 is where you'll find it. Page 30. um, In in that white Bible We're starting a new series this morning And I'm really excited about it We're starting a series um, in the book of Psalms All summer long we're going to be in the book of Psalms For 12 weeks Um, the, The title of the series is called The Anatomy of the Soul The Anatomy of the Soul And it comes from a quote by the great theologian John Calvin. John Calvin wrote in his commentary uh, on the Psalms, um, he he wrote the the Psalms are an anatomy of all parts of the soul. The Psalms are an an anatomy of all parts of the soul. And and what Calvin meant by that, what he he meant was that in the Psalms um, there there is every human emotion that a human can experience, whether it's longing and suffering and pain and sorrow, loss, or whether it's joy and delight and gladness and happiness and everything in between, it's all found here. Right, the right way to respond to things, the wrong way to respond. It's all found here. It's an anatomy of our soul and how God engages us in those emotions. How God engages us um, every day, every moment, whether we're um, in in the valley or or we're on the mountaintop. How God is moving in in all of that. It's it's in the psalms. It's an an anatomy of the soul. And so, a few things real quick before we dive into Psalm 148. we have a few things, a few ways that, we're, that we want to try and help you all track with us this summer. When you came in, hopefully you guys got one of these uh, bookmarks. If you, if you didn't get one, if somebody didn't pass one to you when you're, when you're walking in, you can grab one on your way out. They're, they're right out there. You can, you can grab one. And what we've created um, is an Anatomy of the Soul summer reading plan through the book of Psalms. Starting today, um, this Sunday, for the next 12 weeks, every morning and evening, um, we will be collectively, as a church together, um, reading through the psalms. And if you start today and you read a, a psalm every morning and every evening, we've broken down some of the longer ones, um, every morning, every evening, in 12 weeks you will have read all 150 psalms. And so this one's just for the month of May. We'll create one every month uh, for June and July as well. And um, so let me kind of challenge you and encourage you with, with this. Um, twice a day, twice a day, there, there, are, there are a number of things that you all do twice a day. Um, and I, I can't I think of them all, but there's some that I know for sure. I mean, at least hopefully, hopefully everybody in the room brushes their teeth at least twice a day, all right? If you don't, just don't tell me, all right? I don't want to know that. Um, at least twice a day, you're brushing your teeth. And so maybe for you, you put this um, this, this, uh, this, this reading plan right by your toothbrush with a, with a, with a Bible there. And um, Every morning, every evening, uh, you, you brush your teeth and you read the psalm. So tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're brushing your teeth, um, you're reading Psalm 3. And tomorrow night when you brush your teeth, you're reading Psalm 4. And sure, you're going to get a little toothpaste juice on it. That's okay. That little white, funky stuff, you just wipe that right off. It's fine. It's no big deal. They're glossy. It's perfect, okay? Okay. Um, Maybe for you, it is uh, you drive to work every single day. You have a little bit of a commute. And so maybe you tape this to your dashboard or your steering wheel. And, and on your way to work, um, you listen to, don't read it, all right? You listen. I'm not going to be responsible for that, people, all right? You listen to, to the psalm for that day. and so. Um, On Monday morning, you're listening to Psalm 3 on your way to work. On Monday night, when you're coming home, you're listening to Psalm 4. On Tuesday, you're listening to Psalm 5. And on the way home, you're listening to Psalm 6. Um, Morning and evening, for the wholeness of the summer, we're tracking together uh, through this. And so make sure you, if you didn't get one on your way in, grab one on your way out. Also, second thing, um, before we dive into Psalm 148, um, this... Um, is actually not, not a Bible. This is, um, we, we have here, we have the, the ESV, the English Standard Version. is what we read from on, on Sundays. And this, they just released these. This is the English Standard Version, uh, devotional, what they call Psalter, which is a fancy word for the book of Psalms. Um, and so I, I just picked this up, and we have a few. we actually purchased a few, um, just a few of them, and we're going we're gonna to sell them uh, right after the service. We're not making a dime on it. They're $24. That's what we paid for them. And so if you're interested in um, kind of journeying through the Psalms and in, in a new, nice, fresh, uh, devotional um, book of Psalms, Psalter. Um, you can pick one up afterwards, or you can just go online, Amazon. That's where we got them. But for those of you who are like, oh, it's a great idea. I want to do that. And then you know you never will. We bought some for you, okay? So you can do that right after. Um, and just kind of track through this, this summer, um, every morning and every, every evening together. Um, and I'll be preaching from this every, every week this summer. Then the last piece, the last piece, Right after this gathering this morning, um, we are launching our summer small groups, right? Or we're launching our summer small groups this morning. And so um, small groups will be tracking through for the next 12 weeks. They'll be journeying through the book of Psalms together. And so my encouragement to you, if you are not already in a Flourishing Grace small group, join one this morning. Journey with us this morning. Here it is, right? This summer you're going to do one of two things. Your relationship with Jesus is going to flourish or, or it's going to drift, okay? It's summer. I know how it is, right? The kids are out of school. Things are crazy. They're running around already. You're like, oh, I'm pulling my hair out. We're not, even, we're not even in it yet. You got vacations coming up. You got trips planned. You got all these fun things going on, right? If you don't create some sort of structure around this, a little bit of discipline, you, you will drift, but if we kind of, kind of all pitch in, we all work together, we create a little discipline around this, we will flourish in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with each other. And so, man, my encouragement to you is, is find that small group. Every, every week I hear this, but Josh, I just don't know enough. I don't know I don't know the people. That's the point. This is not I'm, not, I'm not saying go join the theologians club. I'm saying go join a small group of people who open the Psalms and say, man, I don't know, I don't know. Let's read this together and let's just talk and share and dream I get nothing from it. I I don't get anything if you guys join a small group. I'm I'm encouraging, I'm challenging you because I want the best for you. Um, We have some amazing small group leaders, and so right afterwards we'll be we'll be launching that. Does that all make sense? All right, Psalm 148. Let's go. Real quickly. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. So here, here it is, Psalm 148. And what we tend to do, these psalms, these psalms are so kind of deep and poetic and beautiful. They expose our soul, and so we we think heavily of them, which is right and good, Um, but at the same time, they're super simple. They're they're, they're these songs that were sung in ancient Israel, and they're not meant to be hard to understand, right? This one in particular is super easy, right? What is the driving theme of this psalm? Somebody help me out. Praise, right? 12 times, 14 verses, praise the Lord. Praise his name. Let them praise him, right? Twelve times we see this again and again and again. So the, the driving theme, the purpose of the psalmist to drive you and I, the reader, the singer, um, to praise. And what he declares, what the psalmist declares is that everything, everything is created and established, made and ordered to bring him praise. And he orders it in a, in a particular way. If you notice, he starts way big. He starts way up here, right, Um, in the beginning, right? So he talks about angels and heavenly hosts. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his his angels. Praise him, all his hosts, right? Now, this is big. Like, this is is massive. We we get this. This is simple, right? Um, We know angels praise God. That's just kind of what they do. By by their nature, um, they praise God. Um, what else are they going to do? That's, that's just what they, that's angels, that's what they do, right? And um, in, 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 in whenever angels show up, um, throughout all of Scripture, whenever angels show up, they drive humanity, they drive people to praise. In and, and Revelation chapter 4, there's this crazy scene going on um, in, in the throne room of Christ. Christ is on the throne, and um, these angelic creatures are around the throne, these crazy, massive, winged creatures. And all day long, all they do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God all mighty and when they sing when they sing the elders these these 12 elders are around the throne take their crowns and just throw them at the feet of jesus right these angels by their nature they just praise christ and they drive humans to praise that's just what they do they give all the glory to god it's it's what they're created it's what they're established to do in Hebrews chapter 1, the author talks about how Christ has been given a name greater than all the angels. He's far superior to them. Praise his name above theirs. He is to be glorified above angels, and angels are exist to glorify him. And then what the psalmist does is he starts high, he starts up here with angels, and he brings it down. He takes it down one step, one one level um, to, to the universe, right, which is still far beyond us, which is still far greater than you and I. It's this thing that we have to try and wrap our mind around. He says it this way. He says, um, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters from above, like the rain, the storms. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And in he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. The heavens, the stars, the planets, the moons, the, the sky, the, the galaxies generates, creates, by its nature, it creates praise. It gives all the glory, all the glory goes to God and God alone. No, no, planet, no planet receives glory. The creator of the planet receives the glory. No star who says, hey, look at me, glorify me. He says, no, give the glory to the one who's created it all. The one who is shaped and molded and created, whose glory is on display throughout the heavens. When I try to wrap my mind around what is what is the heavens, what is the universe, it just kind of I kind of come to the end of myself, right? I, I understand um, our galaxy, this this one that we live in, the Milky Way, nine planets around the sun. I I can kind of grasp that. Recently, um some some scientists from NASA, they they had this um satellite in orbit around Saturn and it was taking pictures of Saturn and um, they, they said, you know what we should do? Let's shoot it between the rings of Saturn. I think we can do that. Let's come up with some math and we'll just make that thing happen. And they take these pictures of the rings of Saturn up close. like You just touch them and it just blows my mind. It's beautiful. It's, it's so amazing. And even how they do that, it's just crazy to me. Like our, our little galaxy it blows my mind. Our little solar system blows my mind. But in the, the observable universe, friends, there are over 100 billion solar systems, over 100 billion galaxies in, in our little universe. In, in what we can see and what we know, there's over 100 billion galaxies over 100 billion. And we, we live in this one t- tiny little, little, little speck in, in it all. And, and for me to wrap my mind around that, for me to wrap my, it drives me to this place of just, ah, there's nothing left there but to just praise God. All of the great institutions of, of science and learning, they, they began as, as institutions of praise. It's what, it's what they were designed to actually do. Um, the, the Ivy League schools, their, their original mottos, if you you look at them, Brown University, in Deus Paramos, in God we hope. Harvard um, is, is the best one. Veritas Christo Ecclesia, right? Truth for Christ and his church, right? Our purpose, our vision, why we exist is to, to stretch the minds of humanity that they might, so, the, so they might understand more of the universe, that they might understand more of science so that Christ might be glorified more and the church might be able to glorify him more. Yale was started as a school for theologians. The great uh, theologian Jonathan Edwards attended Yale and graduated from there. Galileo, Pascal, Newton, Mendel, Calvin, Einstein, Roll, men of faith, all of them. Um, and we come to this place, and um, these men, what happens in their life, when, 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 you're, just, when you're brilliant, you can, you can figure it out. My, my friend, Binger, who's one of the pastors on staff here, he talks about this idea all the time. Uh, he loves math. Like, it's a little too much, right? It's kind of a, it's weird, all right? But I love them. Um, and he talks about the, the mathematicians of old, the more they pressed in, the more they learned, the more they understood, they all came to this place at the end of it all where they all did one of two things. They, they all come to this end of knowledge and understanding and ah, and they either praise God or they go crazy. Either they become like guys like Pascal where they become theologians and give their lives to God and and praise Him or they they just go back crazy and just lose it all. It's, It's where we go, the natural, the universe, the more we understand, the more it declares His praise, the more it declares His glory. The psalmist writes about this in Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. By its nature, the universe was created for the praise of God, for the glory of God. But then the psalmist does this. He brings it down one level, right? So we're up here, angels. Brings it down to uh, the universe, planets, stars, moons. and Then he brings it down to this little speck here, earth, where you and I are. And here's what he says in verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, You great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. It all all exists for the praise and the glory and the honor of God. It all creates within us this this emotion of praise. It all creates within us this emotion of giving glory to something greater than ourselves. One of my bucket list dreams, one of the things i, I got to do in my life, and um, before I die, I've, I've got to do this. You've probably seen, seen videos of this. There's guys and, and, and gals, they're, they're kayaking off the coast of Alaska, um, and over here, there's like gigantic glaciers that are just like cracking and falling into the sea, and there's these massive swells and waves being treated by these this, crazy huge blocks of ice falling in the water. But then over here on this side, there's gigantic whales like breaching and kind of creating these massive waves over here. And they're in a kayak. And they're like, this is crazy. We might die. Somebody put this on video now. Like this is this might be the end for us. Somebody shoot a video. If we survive, it's gonna be amazing, right? Um, I wanna do that. I wanna be in that little tiny boat with glaciers crashing over here and whales uh, breaching over here and just like... In that moment, what happens, what, what, what is created within you and I is our soul actually finds its right place. It becomes small. Because in that moment, what have you done that's greater than that? Like, what have you created that's better than this or better than that? Like, what have you established? I started a company once. Is it better than that? No, come on. Like, I, I one time made a homemade Crunchwrap Supreme. It was delicious. But it's not better than that. Like, it is not. Like, I've got nothing in that moment. I am at the end of all the things that I could kind of, It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. If you're the, if you're the most successful businessman or businesswoman, if you've, if you've created the most beautiful art, like, you've done nothing compared to this. When you stand next to the great sequoias or redwoods, like, what are you going to say in that moment? I've done something better than that. No, you haven't. Our soul is shifted, just for a moment, into the right place. And it declares, by his nature, by the nature of these things, by the nature of giant trees and glaciers and, 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 and whales and the eyes of a, of a roaring lion, it just declares his glory. It declares that he's greater than I am. And our soul shifts into its right Place And you break that down and you think about all of nature and all of creation and how it's just so perfectly ordered and it's all the right ways. It just brings us to this place where we just declare his praise. We declare his glory. My sister-in-law works at the Holgel Zoo. She's a zookeeper. She knows a lot about animals. And I learned some pretty amazing facts. I'll share some with you at a different time. But the one I learned actually just this week is that gorillas... Um, gorillas are kind of shy when it comes to breeding, right? Um, and this is fascinating to me because you have like rabbits and rabbits breed like rabbits, right? This is what they do, right? Uh, the zookeeper walks in on some rabbits um, breeding and they're just like, who cares? Like if there's somebody else in the room, I don't know, all right? They just, they just keep doing what they're doing. But a zookeeper walks in on gorillas and the gorilla, they turn the lights on and the girl's like, what? What, me? No, 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 I don't even, I don't even know her. I, don't, I wasn't, I'm not in the room. <laughs> what? No, no, not me, right? Now this is, this is fascinating to me. I'm going to kind of tell you why, right? Because I believe that God has created and ordered every single thing. He holds it all um, within his power. He holds it all in existence. It's okay that rabbits breathe like rabbits. That's okay. If gorillas did, you and I would be in trouble, okay? Right? Because that male silverback gorilla, I, don't, I want nothing to do with that guy. He's crazy. Right, but if there was a million of them running around like rabbits, we would be in trouble, right? It's all ordered so beautifully, so perfectly, um, and just in just the way that He has ordained it to be. It all declares glory to Him, not to me. And and then the psalmist brings it down one one more level, kind of the last piece of this. And I think there's a reason why He saves this piece for last. Um, Last but not least, verse 11, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heaven. He has, pray, he has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel, who are near to him. Praise the Lord. And so last but not least is, is you and me. You see, you, you were created by God, and I was created by God for one singular purpose, just, just one. I, I know you think you got a lot of purposes, but there's, there's one single purpose why God has created you, and that's to bring him glory, to bring him praise that you might be a, a creature, a, a created one of praise. It's it's why we exist. Now, some of you in the room might say, "Josh, that's that's weird. I, I think that's yeah. I think that's actually a li, a little narcissistic on behalf of God. Like it's a little self centered. Um, I don't know if I buy into that. I, I don't know if that's true. You see." For you and I, if if I was if I was the creator, if, I'm, if I just had like, create things that praise me all day, right? I create little minions and they run around and they just, they bring me praise, they give me all the glory, they give me uh, all they they give me all the fame, they lift my name high, right? Um, at the end of the day, I would let them down, right? When humans praise, when humans bring praise, they say, hey, give me your stuff. Give me your possessions, give me your wealth, praise me with those things, Um, sing my praises, and at the end of the day, I'm going to take from you, but I'm never going to give, I'm going to let you down. But for God, it's different. You see, when, when we come to this place where our soul shifts to where it belongs, whether it's crashing waves or mighty trees or just just the mountain mist that brings us to that place or the study of math, the study of science, it brings us to this place where our souls for a moment fall into place and we experience in there this, this is goodness and this rightness. Where, where, where would you go if you wanted to experience the greatest glory of God? Like more than mountains, more than the ocean, more than planets and stars and moons, where, where would you go? His presence, right? You, you stand in the throne room of God Almighty. You stare into the eyes of the glorified Christ. Listen, in that moment, all that's left is praise. Like every ounce of glory is sucked from your soul and given to him. Because like, what are you, you going to say then? Like, what have you done that's, that's better than that? There's nothing. A few weeks ago, we, we talked about Psalm uh, 16. In Psalm 16, it says... Um, in your presence is the fullness of what? You guys remember? Joy. In His presence is the fullness of joy. When when we draw near, when our soul is aligned rightly, when it shifts into that place where all of the glory is going to Him, when all of the praise is going to Him. It is in that place, in his presence, is the fullness of joy. That's actually what we're designed to do. We we fall in line with our design and we feel it in that moment. Whether it's in a kayak in the ocean or someday when we stand before the glorified Christ, in that moment it's like, this is right. And maybe maybe in that moment you've, you've experienced some of those moments and you couldn't put your finger on exactly why that was right. I'm telling you now, it was because in that moment you weren't receiving all the glory. That's why it was right. Something else drew the glory out of you. And what we tend to do as humans, and I think this is why it's last, actually, what we tend to do is create and manufacture things to give glory to that are not God or or hoard it for ourselves. Right? Grown grown men um, paint their faces and fill stadiums of praise and raise their hands and scream and cheer for their favorite team. I mean how lame is that compared to the glory of God? We pack concert halls and listen to beautiful music which is which which is which is it scratches the itch, right? Because it is, it's he's created, he's given it to us for his glory, but we don't give it to him. We just, we just listen to it. We scratch that itch of our soul. We go to the mountains and scratch the itch of our soul. Um, we, we build things and manufacture things for ourselves so that people will praise us and give us the glory to scratch the itch that is isn't in our soul, the thing that our soul is actually longing for. We just kind of scratch that itch and move on with our life. And, and the question is, is what, what does God do with one that does that, right? Because the angels don't. They know better. The, the universe doesn't. It, it, was, it wasn't created to do that. The things of this earth don't. They, they, they know better. What does he do with, with us? What does he do with humanity that, that, that steals and hoards and robs the glory, gives it to other things that aren't his? What does he do? He tells us, actually, in Jeremiah I'll read it for you. Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13 reads this way, and this is God talking to the people of Israel through, through the prophet Jeremiah. He says this, has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit, right? They've created these gods that aren't really gods, and they're giving glory to things that aren't giving them anything, that, that aren't realigning their souls properly. What, what's, why are they doing this? And then he says this, and this is the terrifying. Verse 12, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate. Some, some translations say, shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils, for they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. Here's what God is saying. He says, I look at humanity, and what, what I see is people who are creating and shaping, molding these, these, these things that they worship as if they were a god, but they're not gods at all. I'm trying to align their souls. I'm, I'm the one that's, that's giving them living water that, that, that where, where, they, where their souls are in line with me, where all the glory is coming to me. That's what they're meant to do, and they know it. But they'd rather make these broken cisterns and try and get water out of that, but they, don't, they're, they're, they got holes in the bottom. It doesn't, doesn't work. And he says, listen, the sun and the moon and the stars, the planets, the trees, the animals, the mountains... Be appalled by this. All, of, all the rest of created order, be shocked by this. Be desolate by this. Shudder in horror because of this. And they're not shuddering in horror at you. They're shuddering in horror at him. Because they realize that, that God in this moment, what he's created and the way he's established it to be has been broken. And as one has written a letter and a word has been misspelled or ink has been smudged, they're, they're deathly afraid that he might just crumple the whole thing up and just throw it away. Just snap and just destroy it all and just be done with it. They shudder and whore. And so what does God do? What does God do to, to you and to me, us who, who steal his glory and who, who shape and mold these things? What, what does he do? What is he going to do? I'm going to leave you with a passage from Colossians. Colossians 1, 16 through 23 reads this way and just follow along. It's talking about Jesus. And so when it says him, I'm just going to put Jesus in there. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible things and invisible things, whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all Things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything he might be, in everything, in everything, he might be preeminent. He He might be first. He might receive all the glory. For in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Jesus to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. And you, humanity, you and I, who once were alienated and hostile in mind Doing evil deeds, creating and shaping and molding our own gods, fighting for our own glory, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed, here it is, in all creation under heaven, in which... I, Paul, became a minister. What's God going to do with you? He's going to love you more than his glory. God steps out of his glory. He steps into your brokenness. He wades into our shame. He wades into our um, just wretchedness and says I'm going to put all that on me I'm going to clothe myself in that and all of your brokenness and I'm going to go to the cross I'm going to bleed out for you I'm going I'm to die for you I'm going to give my life as a sacrifice for you I'm going to die in your place I'm, instead of snapping and ripping it all up I'm going to snap and rip me all up and I'm going to clothe you in my righteousness why 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 would he do that? For his glory and for his praise. That in the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, the King of Kings. Everything he's ever done is is to realign us, to bring us back to this place where our souls find their rest, our souls find their right place, right here where we're giving him all the glory, right? We couldn't give him all the glory. We're hoarding it for ourselves. He says, let me give you even more. Let me give you even more grace. Let me give you more mercy so that we might find the place where our soul is where it was created and established to be small place. Where he is big and we are small. And we say to Jesus, you, to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning we come, we come before you and, and we... I confess, I confess that I am constantly thinking that I'm doing something cool, that I'm doing something that's great and that I should be given praise or I should be given glory for that, that I've, that I've shaped and molded, I've fashioned something that that's, that's actually worth something. I forget that there's one who's greater than all, one who has established all, one who has given all, one who is worthy of all. And so in this moment, in this time together, in this hour, would you remind us of just how unbelievably perfect you are and how you've created everything rightly. Don't let us be a people who scratch the itch of our soul, but wade fully in and align it perfectly where you just say, you be the glory. You would be honest. Let us be people who say, stretch our minds and expand what we know and the knowledge. Let us be, let's be a people who cling to you with all that we have. Let us be a people who slow down our pace. Let us be a people who don't, don't explode and, and run full bore this summer and distract and numb this, this itch of our soul. Let us be people who wade into the Psalms. Let us be a people who wade into small groups. Let us be a people who wade into in you so that our souls might be aligned rightly and properly as you've designed them to be, where you receive the glory, the praise, all the honor, all the fame, so you be the glory forever and ever.